Welcome in to episode number 23 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan. Just keep rolling along here as we're getting closer and closer to seeing the list of nominees for this year's class of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. We're going to get those nominees lists very, very soon, probably in the next month or so. Maybe the next two months, the nomination committee is meeting right now as we speak in a deep bunker in an underground lair underneath the CN Tower in Toronto to decide who will join the next class of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. So in the meantime, let's get to our interviews. We have two great interviews today. Coming up in just a bit is a dear friend of mine, Mr. Logan Brown. He just recorded a comedy album. We talk about that and all kinds of things. We'll get to Logan in just a bit. But first... It's Jackie Pirico. Jackie is a hilarious stand-up comedian who's fresh off the heels of a 2023 Juno nomination. She was at the awards ceremony in Edmonton. We talked about that, that crazy experience. We talk about her stand-up career, Canadian comedy growing up, her comedy influences, and we talk about the new show that she is on right now. That's New Waves of Stand-Up. It's on CBC Gem. It's hilarious. It came out March 24th, but it's streaming right now. There's 14 episodes. Jackie is one of them. Her set is amazing. It's unbelievable. They filmed it in Vancouver. You should check it out. New Waves of Stand Up on CBC Gem. So we talk about lots of things. Let's get to it. Here it is. My interview with the great Jackie Pirico on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Who was your Canadian comedy influence growing up? Did you have any influences growing up, Canadian specific? Um, definitely John Doerr. I I grew up watching like his show. Like after high school, I we we would me and my friends would be up to illicit behavior in a you know in a hazy room, <laughs> <laughs> and and I would just I just adore him and love him. And when I was really young and I was working at a comedy club as a waitress he came through headlining and I was like obviously so starstruck um and just just his sense of humor and how effortlessly funny he is and how singular his voice is um was something that I didn't know then because I didn't know I was going to be a comedian but definitely now I, I aspire to that that uh you know ethos that he has full circle as you were nominated <laughs> against him for the Juno this year so that's that must be like a crazy surreal feeling um uh, I always really say, was yeah John Doerr is the best in in Canada but yeah that must have that must have been pretty amazing to be to be nominated against John yes it was unreal and like um <laughs> and and I've, I've known him throughout the years so I, so it wasn't I wasn't like meeting him there uh or anything, but it mm -hmm. was like, there was a moment when we were at the, like, um, the opening ceremony uh, awards, and I was just looking around the table and I was like, where am I? <laughs> exactly as you said, so surreal. Um, but something that he did for me when I was really young and that, that time that he came through the nest when I was just waitressing is I had this little single cell cartoon strip that I was just doing as kind of a hobby and I showed it to him, um, you know, how you show like your idols and you're like, well, this is kind of what I do. Right. <laughs> kind of like shitting a brick, showing him my art. And he was so supportive. And he made a call that very weekend when he was busy headlining to a friend of his at Vice Magazine and got my cartoons published on Vice Online. Mm -hmm. 
That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, just like the nicest guy. Yeah, and like for for no other reason than being supportive of art and and comedy because it was like a funny kind of cartoon strip. So yeah, it it was just like he he's I just think he's the best. I look up to him so much. So so I was genuinely sincerely happy to see him win. You know when like in these award scenarios and you're like, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, <laughs> sincerely. You're genuinely yeah like who else is gonna take he's the best his name comes up on this podcast almost weekly if not every second episode of stories like that though of him doing things like that uh for young comics deborah di giovanni told a story a similar story to that like um and like never asking for uh anything in return he just was like a fan he's like oh i have this contact why wouldn't i make that connection um, yes such, such a great dude so uh, nice and that's and it's that kind of like um encouragement or like I don't know kind of um holding each other up in this Canadian community it's comedy community that gets all of us so many opportunities like you know if somebody can't do a show oh I've got somebody that's great or um like you know recommending each other and boosting each other up it's like yeah it really makes a solid foundation for for the scene that we have here for sure. Um, you did mention the Comedy Nest where you started as a waitress. How long were you doing the waitressing thing before you decided to get up on stage? And what was that first night like? Oh, my gosh. I was doing it for a long time, to, um, to be honest, because I, I, I waitressed there all throughout university. And I also took a really long time to get my degree. <laughs> <laughs> and I took long breaks in between my degree. But I was there off and on for eight years at the Comedy Nest. Um, and it was, it wasn't in tour until towards like the end of that, that I decided to get up. Um, the very first time was actually for, uh, an anthropology paper that I was working on, like an ethnography where you immerse yourself into a, you know, culture or community of people and kind of live amongst some kind of like J- Jane Goodall really with, <laughs> with the, the, chimps um there's no difference yeah, like, between comedians and yeah. chimps either it's the no, same s- seamless seamless yeah. i was i, I really they're, lived her experience <laughs> they're flinging poo all the stuff yeah <laughs> not far off in some cases mm-hmm. um and uh, <laughs> and and so i did that as a kind of like an experiment to write about it in this paper i was working on um and and so for that reason it was kind of low pressure because it was like oh you know I'm doing this for something else this isn't real I'm not this isn't genuine like I'm not putting my ego on the line here in a way um but it was so much fun and and uh, it wasn't too long after that that I'm like you know what I'm gonna get up again I've done it once why not get up again and then it was just that as you know the feeling that ball that snowball of like well that was so fun. I'll do it again. Or mm. if then another time didn't go well, then you're like, well, I have to do it again so that that's not my last time I did it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what it, it's just kind of never ends. You're going, you're either back on one or train or the other. Did the first time go well? Yeah, it did. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, I had a pretty soft landing there that um, I had, I had a real edge or a privilege that a lot of people wouldn't have because there was a lot of comedians on the show and in the room that know, knew me from my waitressing mm. and I had really become friends with a lot of people in the Montreal um, comedy scene so it, I had a lot of support in the room it was a novelty for them to see me get up there you know it was like a um, a novel event so I had a lot of support in the room that I wouldn't have had if I was just this you know an open mic person getting up for the first time in front of a room of strangers, which when I think about that, like, I don't know if I would have 
gotten into this if that would have been my doorway into it like that's the mm. that's the scariest thing i could think of i was really lucky to have this really you know soft landing pad to to try it great room too it's a it's a lot of fun every time i do the nest i'm a, I'm a hockey fan um so i like it's oh, where the montreal canadians used to play because growing up as yes. a kid i was always like i want to play where the montreal canadians play my dad would take me to games i only live like two hours outside of montreal and I'd be like, yeah, I want to play oh. here someday. Um, turns out it, it wasn't playing hockey because I'm not athletic, but it was it was <laughs> yeah. doing comedy. So that's kind of cool. That's so funny. Yeah, it's such an interesting building. And when I first started working there, when I had no ties to comedy, barely any ties to Montreal because I was just very new to school. I was like, what the hell is this place? And like those people that the, like the statues of the, the fans that they had in the seats oh, in yeah. there to preserve the like the um the arena like preserved part of the arena were are so trippy it was such an interesting place to work but funny fact is is that i didn't actually do my first set at the nest oh it I was thought you at did. Jimbo. It was, no like i was working there but the, the okay. night that i happened to do was at jimbo's okay okay jimbo's yeah, like i don't know jimbo's works. Okay. Um, it was okay. called the comedy. Yeah, the comedy work. Sorry, but this guy Jimbo owned it. Um, and but it was funny because like we all were a family really between the nest and and the comedy works because my coworker and boss really behind the bar at the nest, Dougie, who's like a mainstay institution at the nest. His wife did his same job bartending at the work, so it was just a really big oh, family and community. Yeah, it was a really fun part that thing to be a part of. That's comedy. Um, yeah. The, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You're such like a physical comedian um, when you're working on new material or you're working on material. Do you hope that it's like for film or TV, like with this new wave of stand up? Um, do you feel when like you release something just audio that it maybe gets lost a bit? Like I, I think Splash Pad's very funny and amazing and hilarious and I love it. I wish I could see your physical comedy as you're doing it you know what i mean it, it's not to take away from it at all like it's still hilarious but you're so physical um do yes, you feel like absolutely. that a little bit i do and when I, when I when i recorded my first one in 2019 my first album dream phone i was really worried about that i was like oh god you know i thought i feel like it's so crucial that people are seeing all of this crazy stuff i'm doing because it really gives context to the, to a lot of my material mm -hmm. i am very physical uh, i think that um, it, yeah, I think it does come through because of also I like my voices I can I manipulate and and I, I think I inject some of the physicality through the, the audio energy. Um, but I do tell people like if they if I hear people that are are a fan of Splash Pad or or um, any yeah, my dream phone album, I say to them, please do come to a live show, though, yeah. just so you can get the whole picture, because otherwise I think that just hearing me. Uh, you you may think I'm quite mentally unwell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely so, um, a Maria Bamford feel to it. Like I, oh, I feel right. like that's a huge compliment. To me. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's great. I mean, Splash Bad is great. I love it. It's it's very very Thank funny. Thank you. Um, Thanks so much. Season three, a new wave of stand up. Uh, that's why you're on the show. It just released March 24th. Um, so last week, as we're recording this, how did that come about? How did it come about that you were that you got on on season three? Oh, yeah, I think it may have been um, just from our yearly showcases uh, for mm -hmm. JFL. 
um, I guess I, I don't know if they scout for new wave through that, but I have done a couple of um, previous just for laughs tapings, um, the John Doerr show and um, all access back in. Uh, so this was 2016 for all access 2019 for the John Doerr show. So I have um, been lucky enough to work with just for laughs for a couple of previous tapings. So maybe they're like, oh, let's, you know, let's throw her back into the Tumblr <laughs> um, for season three, maybe. And it was so much fun. I, uh, I loved I love Vancouver and I loved meeting all of the um, uh, comics that were like local Vancouver comics that were on the set of the show as well, um, who I hadn't had the chance to work with yet. So it was just so much fun. I was like, when I got the email to do New Wave, I was like, you know, rattling around in my home by myself as I do, like a kind of a gray garden situation. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I just, you know, I, as I always do, anytime I get good news, I'm screaming, I'm dancing around. So I was yeah. so, so thrilled to, to to work with Just for Laughs again, for sure. Is Nev Campbell the most famous person from Guelph? Oh, she has to be. Yes. Okay. She absolutely has to be. I'm certain of it. Um, yeah. Who else could it be? Oh, Robert Munch. Oh, Robert Munch is from from Guelph. Yes. And and, and you're you're from Guelph, and Guelph is create like. It's not a big city, but there's a lot of people from Guelph as I was like doing my research and looking you up. Uh, I also know you were on, you did some work on the show, Children Ruin Everything, a show I love. Um, yes. Chuck Tatham pro is a producer on that show. Um, he's a really good friend of mine. He's from just outside of Guelph. Uh, oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's the script supervisor on Children Ruin Everything. Uh, he he's worked on like Modern Family and How I Met Your Mother and shows like that, which is cool. Wow! And yeah, uh, that's great. He's from Guelph. The Letterkenny guys are just from outside of Guelph. Guelph produces funny people. What is it about Guelph? Is mainly my question. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. It's it's a very creative place. Like it's a very kind of um, what sets it apart from the surrounding region, like you know Kitchener Waterloo and like. Um, the surrounding areas is that it's very artsy. It's like there's a mm -hmm. lot of hippies there. Um, it's a university town, but the university is very like uh, kind of agriculture and veterinarian. And um, so there's kind of this like, you know, farming, hippie, dippy, artsy, fartsy element to Guelph. Um, the Hillside Festival that's there every year, which I used to volunteer at as a kid every year. Um, from when I was like 13 up into my 20s, I volunteered at the Hillside Music Festival. So there's a lot of creativity, I think, and a lot of like stewardship of the environment. Um, it's very like kind of green forward city. And I think that just kind of fosters a creative spirit um, uh, in, in in the, you know, the, the people who are born and raised there. And it's, a, yeah, it's a quirky little town. Um, and I love it. I love going back. I was just there a couple of days ago to do a show. Um, and there was a lot of press around this show, just, I guess, mm -hmm. because of coming off of the Junos and everything. And there was so many of my, like, old friends, acquaintances, people from the past at the show. Great aunts, even. Like, my grandma's sisters were there. Like, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Uh, what show are your grandma's sisters at? So, so there's a lot of support too. I think another thing that fosters that um, talent coming out of the city is that, um, yeah, there's just a lot of support and championship of our of our fellow artists and creators. So it's like, yeah, it's a really nice place to to um, hail from. What's it like doing stand up in front of a hometown crowd? Like coming back to that that crowd, I find it difficult to be honest. When I oh my go god, home. absolutely. Um, yes, I was shitting a brick. I was so overwhelmed. Like, mm -hmm. 
yeah, I said to my, and my mom's like, oh, what are you so worried about? Everybody, everybody's there that loves you. I'm like, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, there's this added layer of pressure mm-hmm. of people that haven't seen you in a while, or maybe they've known you since you were a kid, but they've never seen you do stand up. Like there's so much pressure to, to do great because otherwise they're going to be like, this is what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is and, it. This and, is, yeah. yeah. And then sometimes you want to just like, you know, go and do a show and then disappear, right? You're in, you're out, and then you're gone. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're a cloud of smoke in the shape of your body. Like you're, yeah. you're gone so fast. Um, but then of course, when there's so many people and you want to be like, you know, grateful that they're there. So you're like kind of around beforehand and you're around after. And that kind of thing like overwhelms me. But this show in particular in Guelph was like, I was so worried. I was shitting a brick. I told my mom that it feels like, someone walking in on you in the bathroom or something <laughs> to like have so many so many faces that you know yeah um and but then afterwards the show was so fun the audience was so hot and like it was like it really was a dream come true so I, I left there just like on a cloud and also my dad hadn't seen me perform since like 2015 or 16 oh cool that's yeah. Awesome. And there's a lot of material in my act about him as time goes on. I'm incorporating more stories about him because he's so insane and like <laughs> so eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> so he he got to hear some of his own stories on stage, which was fun. I also feel like you can't bullshit a hometown audience. Like you can't be like, yes. this happened in high school. And they're like, no, it didn't. We were there. <laughs> like it didn't, yes. that didn't go down. So like, yeah, I find You're that right. always tough. Like you can't, yeah. you can't bullshit them at all. <laughs> Yeah, you can't be anyone else but your but who you exactly. are up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you've done some cool stuff in your career, notably I think uh, opening for Mark Marin in in Toronto. Uh, what was that experience like? I've I've had the opportunity to meet Mark at JFL. Super super nice guy, great guy. What what? How amazing was that to open for a legend like Mark Marin? Oh my gosh, it was unreal. Like when I got the the email about that, like I told you before, I was like screaming and jumping around. I was like, mm-hmm. I almost par- I, I, I almost perished on the spot. And then I was <laughs> so nervous leading up to it. Um, but it was one of the best comedy experiences of my entire career. The theater was obviously jam-packed, sold out beyond capacity both nights. Um, and the job as opener is so, you know, can be daunting because you know that everybody's here to see that particular person in this case, Mark. And, and so, you know, that you're like, you're not who they're there to see, but still it's your job. You've got this onus on you to, to warm up the environment and like, you know, for this amazing act. So it's like, you know, it's, there's a pressure involved in that situation. Um, and that being said, it was so such a relaxing experience beforehand I got to like share um it's kind of an adjacent green room with Mark and I was trying to like leave him alone and like be cool I was trying not to be too crazy um <laughs> and I like I love him so much and, and his love of cats too like we have so much in common yeah and I was so worried I did I was really trying not to be that kind of like <laughs> like puppy scratching at the door being annoying but he was so friendly and down to earth and approachable that he kept it like his green room door was open. My green room door was open. It's kind of like roommates that were in their own room. Mm, and yeah. he kept like kind of shouting to me from his green room about random things like, Hey, uh, 
So I had some really good noodles today in uh, Koreatown. <laughs> and <laughs> then I amazing. would like get up from my chair and like I would get up from my chair and go to his doorway. Oh yeah, you did. Where was it from? And I was just kept like, he kept kind of like beckoning me back to chat, which was so nice because it's such, it, those, those moments are crucial before a show of making someone feel like comfortable. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And he chatted with me. He, he was so giving in conversation. He was asking me about my career here and, um, it was amazing. And then the cherry on top of that is that Maria Bamford had the shows like each night, like either before or after him. And so she was hanging around in the green room. Oh I God, lent amazing. her my phone charger. I was like <laughs> sitting there with Maria Bamford and Mark Marin, like sh- chatting and shooting the shit, just like any green room. And I was like, I was playing it cool. But in my head, I was like, nothing will ever be this good again. Nothing will ever be this good again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I love that. I love because they're they're patient. Like yeah. like the, the good thing about his crowds is that they have the patience to like like go on a narrative ride, mm-hmm. which I think is like a, my comedy is sort of adjacent to that. Like I'm like I kind of you know try and draw them in and come with me on this kind of strange ride. Um, and they have the the patience, and they're all comedy nerds and comedy goers and com- like genuine comedy fans, which yeah. is just the dreamiest audience you could ever hope for. Amazing. Um, I have a question here. I like to ask people um, that really has nothing to do with anything, but I like to ask people, do you remember on IMDb, do you know what your first credit is on IMDb? Oh my gosh. Yes. Because you know what? My IMDb isn't exactly formidable. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. Uh, It's not yeah it's getting better it is getting better um but for a while it was pretty thin it was a real skim milk situation on there um it would have to be artifacts of realism idealism oh sorry oh my god look at me i'm my own worst imd artifacts of idealism of of, an independent short film that i did before long before i was a um comedian or actor for for friends in montreal Okay, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. There wasn't a lot of details, but it's a it's a short film, is it? Yeah, and I have probably a forty second role in it. Okay, I, what was your <laughs> yeah, short role, Lisa? Film. You played Lisa in yes, that. Yes, and Are... yeah. Can I be honest? I don't know if I would be. Oh, I think I was the love interest of somebody. Um, okay. The the unrequited love interest of some guy. I, I don't know. I, the, the film, this film had a lot of, uh, have you ever seen the movie um, Ghost Town with like uh, Steve Buscemi and um, Thora Birch and like he's like this old kind of guy that's kind of grooming this young girl. <laughs> Those vibes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think if my looking back on it, I, I remember thinking at the time, like, I don't agree with this movie or something i remember thinking it was written by a couple guys i just remember being like you know this is i i'm just doing i, I don't know why I did. you know those things like yeah uh, yeah I, yeah i i don't really re- all i i can't remember anything about it other than the fact that i didn't agree with some of its rhetoric <laughs> it's the the cover looks like a renaissance painting though it looks really nice the uh cover yes, of the- i think you yeah it is beautiful you know what i'm throwing it under the bus i think it was a movie about a guy who feels out of his time okay and he has these older ideals and these older principles that don't um you know agree with modern society right uh so i think that 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 yeah that's what it was <laughs> um I, I have two more questions and i'll get uh I'll, I'll let you get out of here um 
the the first one is you you've accomplished a lot this last year i mean you must look back and be like wow this is this is awesome with juno nominations and and doing stuff like like this show new waves of comedy um on cbc gem what goals do you have left to accomplish what's kind of what's next for you what do you want to see see happen in the next five-ish years right yeah um what i would really love to do is get my um get my foot in the door of two adjacent um you know channels which would be one like writing like writing for screen mm-hmm. um i've di- i've been in a few writing rooms uh here and there but nothing nothing like long term uh, and i just love it i love I, i'd love to hone that skill that i've i've have developed for writing for myself for the stage and translate that to um you know writing for film and television in a sense of like writing uh, a vehicle for myself specifically, um, like, uh, like I may destroy you or like flea bag, like those kind of vehicles mm. that these women created from the ground up and built around their own voice. Um, because at the end of the day, like I love being, I love when I get to be on the TV in any sense, like I'm always screaming and jumping for joy. Anytime anyone invites me to do anything, yeah. but it's, it's not often that these roles, of course, why would they be, um, be written specifically around, you know, yourself and your comedic voice and your comedic ideas. So I would love to to do that and pitch something like that. And another arena that I've got my foot in the door, but not all the way is voice work, like cartoon voice work. Um, I've done uh, like a handful of things here and there, but I'd really Gar- love to. Gary and his demons. I know you've, you've done Gary and yes. his demons, which is one of my favorite yeah. shows. I love it so much. It's so it's funny. So funny. It is so, so funny. Oh, and speaking of Gary and his demons, um, to answer this question as well, I've just started a podcast with, with Mark Little. Oh, amazing. Um, I love Mark. Come, that's yeah. Oh my yeah. God. He's, he's so funny. Um, we're releasing that um, first week of April. So coming up like next week, I think is going to be the first episode on the Sonar Network. So I'm getting my podcast skills motoring as well. So that's another goal of mine is to, to grow that podcast and grow the audience for that. Amazing. No, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Final question. I asked this of everyone. This is the Canadian comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I know you don't know who's in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, who's out. Like I, I know you don't know who's in. But if it, if you were picking for who should get in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, who would you choose? Um, in in like at, at any time, like any time, Canadian. Okay. Obviously, you mentioned John Doerr already. Right. I think he's a future Hall of Famer for Canadian comedy. Um, do you have yes. any other names that just come to the top of your head? Um, yeah, I hope that Andrea Martin is in it already. Is she? she she's I, not yet, but that's head. a really good one. Yeah, that's a really oh, good. We got to get yeah. Andrea in there. Andrea definitely no, should be on the list. I, yes, <laughs> she is so funny. I loved well when I was a kid watching like like reruns of um, uh, SCTV, mm-hmm. and like I love her so much. And she's also she mesmerized me as a kid, not only because she's so funny. But because she looked back then when my mom was was her age, they looked so much alike her and my mom. Oh, that's funny. So I felt like I was watching my mom be funny on TV. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, which I don't think is a as a good enough reason for somebody to get into the comedy hall of fame. Good, good thing <laughs> her work like also. Mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Her work <laughs> yes. also speaks for itself. She's she's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, but so for sure, her, yeah, I, I, I was like, there's so many to count and so many of my peers and everything like, mm. um, my, my close friend and, uh, 
um, you know, creative collaborator like Chris Locke. I'd love to see Chris, Chris Locke in the hilarious. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, Steph Tolov for sure. Absolutely. Nobody likes yeah. Steph Tolov. So yeah, a lot of modern names and then a throwback with Andrea as well. Awesome. No, I love that. We haven't heard Andrea Martin on here yet. When, and I ask that question every time. So that's, that's cool. There's a, there's oh, a, cool. New, a new name and, and a super deserving name for sure. Um, thanks so much yeah. for doing this, Jackie. I really appreciate it. Congrats on the Juno nomination. Congrats on a uh, new wave of stand-up comedy. Your set is very, very funny. Um, it's out now on CBC gem. Um, I loved it and I uh, can't wait to see what else you have coming up and i can't wait to listen to your new podcast as well so thanks so much oh thank you so much for having me it was so much fun i really appreciate being here there it is jackie pirico uh so fun talking to her don't forget check it out it's new wave of stand-up on cbc gem it is streaming right now if you're a comedy fan if you're a canadian comedy fan this is can't miss television. It's great. The whole the whole series is amazing. We had Courtney Gilmore last week, Jackie Pirico this week. Uh, two hilarious comedians there on that that series. Check it out. New wave of stand up on CBC Jack. And check us out social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Facebook. We're absolutely everywhere. And also check out our website, CanadianComedyHall.com. That's your first stop. Your first source for information on all things Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Okay, getting to interview number two. Now, this guy is uh, one of my dear friends. We both do stand-up in the Ottawa comedy scene. He is blowing up. He just recorded his first album. It is not out yet, but it's definitely one you want to look out for. He is a musical comedian who is so talented, cut his teeth doing jazz music, and is just an amazing musician, joke writer, songwriter, uh, and an all-around good guy. It's it's my dear friend, Logan Brown, on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Dive right in. So you went to school to do uh, jazz guitar. You're now doing stand-up. You just recorded an album, um, all these things. So my first question is, why are you better than me? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man probably some like undiagnosed illness you know what i mean <laughs> yeah 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 there's always the flip side right the the god has to or the universe has to nerf you you know right like, I, can, I can play scales really fast but also i'm five foot six you know what i mean it's like like <laughs> yeah we all have our thing right yeah, yeah exactly. probably known each other for a year now i've been on a bunch yeah. of shows together you're super talented where did this all start like where did i know music was kind of like your first thing and that's what you did growing up and you went to school for but like where did comedy come from in your life comedy is actually my first love it's just comedy yeah. to me was like even i can recall like my first guitar moment was uh the dance album with uh, fleetwood mac was watching lindsey buckingham play big love and you can as great as Lindsey Buckingham is as a guitar player and like unmatched in my opinion as like a fingerstyle guy um I can I can figure out what he's doing and be like okay if I if I learn how to play the guitar and I practice really hard I can figure that out whereas like with comedy there's more wizardry to it so as a kid I was like there's I'll never be able to do that I'll never be able to just talk in a room and make people laugh because the idea behind being really good at it unless you're like a one-liner guy is to make people not realize that you're telling jokes it makes people to make people think that you're just the guy on stage telling them a funny story. And you could be, you know, 30 minutes after the show, the guy at the bar with your arm around them telling them the same fucking story. You know what I mean? 
Um, so comedy was less attainable to me, which is why I went into music. And I do love them both. It's just comedy for me is like, has always been leagues above. And it wasn't until he's kind of a problematic figure now, but it wasn't until listening to Chris D'Elia's podcast, uh, congratulations, like way pre pandemic, where it's like, you have him breaking down how he got into stand up, what he was doing. Like he gets questions all the time. How do you get into stand up? And it's like, then from there, I could kind of figure out what stand up isn't which is half of getting the balls to go up and do it in the first place it's like realizing okay i know not to get up there and do knock knock jokes or i know not to get up there and tell like funny stories from work so what else is there and then once you see the formula behind it much like with guitar or music you can go oh like okay i i can do math you know like this is i understand now how this is broken up and how you pull the rug out from under people and ta-da there's a punchline you know it, there is a formula to stand up. Are you just like incredibly uh, observant person? Like that you could see, like like you were saying with like Lindsay Buckingham, that you can like watch stand up and be like, okay, this is the formula to do this. Yeah, it's definitely easier with some comics than it is others. Like there's definitely some guys, like dudes like Danny Martinello that are like more act out and are less like, not that he doesn't write material. Obviously the guy writes like a, like a motherfucker. Um, mm -hmm. But it's like his thing where like, what gets you is the physicality of it. Same with like Drew Bem. It's like the, what gets you is like the physicality of it. And like some of the way it's like, you know what the joke is going to be each time, but how you get there is going to be different, which is a Norm different. McDonald thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's stuff that I really like. Cause I do like a really good joke. I still like a really good, well-written joke that has a, a, a clear punchline, but I like the way that those guys kind of dance around it and we'll get to it differently each time. Stand up is really like, improv in the music sense stand-up is very closely uh, closely related to improv i think because it's just like it, it's it there's so much trusting that like i've done the preparation i.e the writing of the jokes the memorizing of your material the practicing you know taking the microphone off the stand in your house or in your your office or whatever and then yeah. going to do it live for the first time there's so much of that and so much of trusting yourself i mean even with like crowd work it's like you know that it's not always uh, a TikTok clip worthy crowd work experience. But each time somebody heckles you and you get them back with a little something or you ask them what their name is and then their name is just ridiculous and all you have to do is repeat it but slower and then that gets a laugh. It's like, oh, oh okay, right, right, right. There is a, there is, a, you can just, there is a formula. You know, it does, it does work. I feel like um, when I overthink stuff, it doesn't go as well. Um, yes. Sometimes when I'm just uh, like, um, we did that, we did that show at a speakeasy a couple of weeks right. ago and I went back and watched my set and there's something I don't even remember doing uh, yeah. when the I was talking about somebody cutting their umbilical cord and this lady just started telling a story in the front row yeah. about how her husband passed out when, when he was cutting the umbilical cord and all the doctors like rushed to him. And I said, well, yeah, he could have hit his head. <laughs> not, but that's not like crazy funny. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like that was yeah. my general reaction. Like, yeah, they're going to rush him. He could have hit his head. You were yeah. just lying there, lady. Like, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I said. And it yeah. got like a big reaction, which is yeah. like, oh, if, what, if I would have overthought that and like thought yeah. of like a funny response, it wouldn't have got done as well as just that's my general reaction to that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because what's so funny about that is like, it almost seems like you're playing a character of like the dumb guy who's just like, well, yeah. It's <laughs> like the juxtaposition between like he could have bumped his noggin and she's yeah. literally pushing a human being out of her pussy. 
you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's that's it though. Like that's yeah. my my that's always been like I've played this character for like my whole life with my friends, and yeah. now I've just like brought it to stage. Yeah, and it's like worked. You know, this isn't about right. me, by the way. This is about you. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's cool though. It's cool. What what was your first set? Uh, my first set was. Uh, July 29th at Bowie's uh, in Smith Falls. It's a music venue. Uh, mm-hmm. The lockdown had been lifted like two weeks prior and they just started uh, at full capacity, just started being able to do um, open mic again. And I had planned on, I had some pretty serious like mental health stuff uh, come up that, that, uh, that, that week. And uh, I had basically for, uh, you know, without talking too much about it, I had uh, comprised a bucket list and uh, stand up was on that bucket list. And I was so scared of doing it. Um, but I listened to Che Dorena's Tales from My Butthole album. And I thought, <laughs> I have to go. I have to go do this. I'm like, this, this is so funny. Like, there's a couple of jokes on there that just, like, still, like, make me belly laugh when I listen to the album. And I've listened to the album probably five or six times since. And uh, it's a com- it's so funny to think of a comedy record as a comfort album. Like, some people, it's, like, mm. Yellow Brick Road, like, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And for me, it's Che Dorena's Tales for My Butthole. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, have you listened to White Pony by the Deftones? Well, do you know the Follow Me, You Fucking Idiots guy from TikTok? <laughs> it's got a great record. Um. So yeah, I listened to that, finally worked up the courage, went down, probably drank 14 Pepsis, just shitting my pants in the back corner. And then finally, like, because they everybody there knew me as a musician. It would it would have been one thing if it was like no one knew me at all. But it's Sorry, least, was it a comedy open mic or was no, it? No, music uh, open mic. Yeah, oh, I went on after oh. a band played like a nothing but Rolling Stones covers. Oh man, that is the hardest first set of all time. And they all knew me. They all knew me as a musician. Oh, wow. They were all like, hey, you didn't bring your guitar? We've got tons of guitars. Come, just jump up. Just play something. Play something. And I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm going to get on a little bit later, guys. And then sure enough, like I pulled Pat, the owner, aside. And I was like, hey, man, I was thinking about doing stand-up. Is it okay if I get up? And he's like, yeah, we'll have you close off the night. So my <laughs> first set, I headlined. <laughs> fucking, yeah, it was. It actually went well. I mean, if I listen back to it now, I'm sure most of the laughs are pity laughs. Hmm. But it was it was enough to give me the bug, I guess is what it's called. So Yeah. What Do you purposely put yourself in really good situations? Uh, I feel like you might be one of those people who like in the beginning, in the beginning, I know you did a crazy amount of shows and you would take every show that you went. Are you still of that mindset or now are you're like, yeah, yeah, I am. I I am. There there does like, so this is just coming from like professional music thing is like every gig, not so much when I was first starting out because for that first year, again, you're just trying to like figure it the fuck out what you're doing, Hmm. but it needs to have, you need to have the perfect gig has three things. It's a good hang, it's good pay, and it's a good opportunity. And the perfect gig is those three. That's like you're fucking, you're just for, you made it onto the festival of Just for Laughs, and they're paying you a whole bunch of money to do a 20-minute set, and mm-hmm. you get to hang out with everybody that you love, and it's also Just for Laughs. So now you get to put that on all your posters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Most gigs are two of those things. Yeah. And so for me, I try to get- And it's I usually to- the last thing that's not there. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, for instance, like, I don't get paid when I do uh, amateur nights at clubs. You know what I mean? 
but everybody mm. likes going to the clubs that's like in the local comedy scene so it's like i will always ask for a spot on a wednesday at abs or a thursday at um at yucks or a sunday at the laugh lounge because i get to hang out with people that i care yeah. about i mean at this point the laugh lounge like i i go to hang out with the staff more than the comedians yeah, but, yeah the uh, staff is great oh dude so great i i love those people um it, but uh yeah yeah so it's it's i try to my rule now is to make sure i have two of those things awesome where, where does the inspiration for bits come from i, I want to go through a couple of years without giving away punchlines or jokes or anything yeah of course, um, and just where where did it come from first of all uh the first time i heard the fast food song the other night oh um, secret burger which I loved. I hadn't yeah. heard that before. And the um, bestiality one as oh, well. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, which I love that song. I, oh, thanks, man. Dude, I want like that on my Spotify right now. That song oh, is dude. so catchy yeah. and so good. And the way you flip it is amazing. But the fast food bit, where, where's yeah. the... Yeah. Was that just like you going through McDonald's, getting a burger and be like, oh, this is funny that this is a thing that everybody does. Yeah, it was like habitual, man. Like like I would anytime I was on my way home from like a shift or a gig or just like driving through, um, I would always pick up a second sandwich because I was like <laughs> I lost I lost quite a bit of weight between like 20, 2017 and 2018. But there mm -hmm. was a time where I was like. I got to be a double burger guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would get, I would get the combo to hang out with my, which is my ex now, but my girlfriend at the time. And uh, I would eat the other burger on the way back to the drive. Cause I mean, I've been, again, I've been an entertainer for so long, man. When I get in the car, it's Pavlovian. I'm hungry as soon as I sit down in my car. Cause I've had so many 12 hour drives where it's like, I've stopped six times to get food and then eat yeah. in my car. So it's like, in my car, I mean, like I do my best to get to, uh, you know replace my air fresheners but my car smells like takeout <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm always hungry in this fucking thing so yeah that was where secret burger came out of i was just gonna say this podcast is sponsored by valvoline great right. canadian oil change every right. time valvoline yeah um, <laughs> uh another another thing it's kind of a throwaway line in your act but the sean mendez is that real that's real yeah yeah the only yeah. thing that's not true about that is it wasn't just me my ex was a she's a jazz singer and i was her guitar player um, okay. We wrote songs together. We were signed to a subdivision of Universal called Cadence Music. And right. uh, yeah, basically when we walked, uh, they just put all their funding into it. And I mean, he was going to, he was going to pop anyways. Like he, I think he'd already had that fucking, uh, we don't have to be ordinary. Uh, so he'd already had that song out. So it was, it was a matter of time for him regardless of the label. But yeah, I mean, that's my claim to fame right now. Right now. Talk to Dude, me in a couple of years. We'll see. We'll see. Talk to you. Talk to you in a couple months, man. You just had an album <laughs> recording on uh, on Sunday, and I know we talked about it last week. You were super pumped that like you're yeah. doing this, you know, two two years under two years into the game. Um, you had a sold out show at the Laugh Lounge in Ottawa, which I mean, we have listeners all over North America, so it, it's an incredible, incredible room um, in Ottawa. The album recording was that like you pushing for that? Um, you just thought it was time to get this material out. No, man. You know what? I, you know, you hear all the time that it takes like five to 10 years. And I was more than happy to just grind my, my ass off for five to 10 years. But I was, I had done, so Laugh Lounge has always been really good to me. Laugh Lounge and Yucks actually the two clubs that have always been like really, really good to me um, and given me a whole bunch of work. And it was just like, 
set after set, headliner after headliner would just be like, you're leaving money on the table if you don't record these. You are leaving money on the table. It's stupid. It's already mm -hmm. funny. It's all that does that. These songs do not need to be worked anymore. They are already funny. And so I, I'd actually, I tried to record one song when I released the pegging song mm -hmm. uh, or, or when I first wrote the pegging song and it was like getting huge pops every, every time that I did it. I had called up Tyler Morrison because I know he owns Cottage Comedy. And I was like, hey, uh, this is something we do in music. I don't know if it's something that we could do in comedy, but would you be interested in releasing a single? And he was like, he was let me down easy, but he was like, no, we don't do things. He's like, the most I could do is like, if you can put together 25 to 30 minutes, we can release an EP. And that's, you know, and then we'll, okay. we'll talk there. Um, and so like, that's, I, I just set my sights on that. Like, I, and continued to ha ha like write more songs and harness what I was doing. And um, yeah, I, I was really going to keep the music thing in my back pocket as a secret weapon. But the more that I wrote, the more that I saw my voice, which is a big thing in the first couple of years of doing comedy is finding your voice. The more that I saw my voice taking lead whenever I wrote music as opposed to just regular bits. And as much as I love the traditional way of standup, even now, like when I think back to who my biggest influences are, it's always guys that were like jack of all trades. Like I'm a big Tim Heidecker fan who has like the Yellow River Boys and he has his own solo music project. I'm a big Weird Al fan, obviously. Yeah. Um, I like guys like uh, like Luke Null and uh, like, you know, so it, it made sense really for me to kind of go down this road. Are you always going to have the guitar as part of your act? Yeah, I think so, man. I don't know. Like I'm going back and forth between whether or not I want to be just musical comedy, but I like the idea of he gets a lot of shit nowadays. But um, oh, the puppet guy, uh, Jeff Dunham. Right. I always liked that Jeff Dunham used to start off all of his specials doing just straight stand up to remind everyone that, hey, I'm, it's not just the puppets. I'm good at this. Too. I'm funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and like, it's just my ego, but it's like wanting to get in front of people that are like, oh, he's only funny because of the guitar. Or he only gets these pops because of the guitar. Being able to do 10 minutes of regular stand up and then pull and get the same reaction out of my material and then pull the guitar out. I do like that. So I think my first goal I've got a couple of songs written, like maybe three or four new ones that I've yet to work. Um, and then I think I'm going to write a new 10 minutes of just like 10 to 15 with just like the regular, regular standup. I think you're like a restless creative like me, whereas like my goal uh, when I started is like, I just want to do the yuck yuck stage once, you know, yeah. and then like once I did, it, I was like, I want to do it on a weekend. And then once I did that, it's like, OK, now I want a headline. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it just yeah. like never ends. Like for sure, um, when I when I went to Just for Laughs, it was like it was it was cool to be here. You know, that's what going into it. And then once I was there, I was like, I want to win this fucking thing, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then like, now I want it. And I'm like, now I want to get this TV show made. Like, it's just never ends. Yeah. Um, but when you stop and look back on things, um, you've had to have a couple moments where you're like, oh shit, I really have something here and this is going in the right direction. What yeah, are those man. moments? Yeah, especially because like, like I had contemplated uh, like taking my own life when I, before I started doing standup. So it's more, I look back on it thinking about like everything that I would have missed, like everything from like how good it feels to like kill, yeah. how weird it feels to bomb and how much like it, like, and eventually the, how good it feels that it doesn't bother me anymore when I bomb. Like obviously a kill feels better, but it's like when you've done enough road shows in Petawawa to like four people and a dog, you go like, all right, this is not my fault. Like I'm not a bad comic because I couldn't win these people. Over. You know what I mean? Um, and also like, 
like friends, man, like meeting you, meeting like the ruckus guys, like meeting Bobby, like some of these people that it's like, you know, I can call on for advice as a human being as just as well as I can as a comic. It's like, I, I think about that more so than I think about like career trajectory or anything like that. As much as I, I do, I've given myself, I took yesterday off from work and I gave myself one day to smell the roses and be like, I just fucking wrote, I just, 107 people are fucking recorded an album. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, for the most part, it's like, okay, done, smell them for a little bit and then move on to the next thing. Cause you're right, man. Like there's, it is never, you're never done the work. Like when I first started getting paid for my goal is to like make a living off of this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when I first started getting paid, like what a middle or a host makes, I was like, okay, this is cool, but uh, clearly I'm going to need to do more work. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's Same from here. there. It's like, how do I build a headlining set? How, what makes a headliner? If it's not just having 40 minutes, you know what yeah. I mean? You have to also be a fucking headliner. You have to embody what it is to have a, to be a headliner. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my next, that's my next thing right now. Uh, you mentioned the ruckus crew. You guys put on amazing shows. How, how did you join the ruckus crew? How did that come about? Were you an original member of the crew? Yeah. Yes. And no, I was bullied into being an original member. And then like, they just didn't have it yet. So I kind of was like, I, I've told them this before, so this isn't like any news, but I was, I just kind of had a conversation where I was like associating with you guys with how like your whole energy is like, we don't need comedy clubs, like fuck this, and fuck that. And we're yeah. rogue. Baby. Like that's going to hurt me more than it's going to help me. And I even had, I won't say who it was, but I even had a club owner like come up to me and was like, Hey, good job. Not associating with those guys because that it will be a detriment to your career for sure. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, it was like, as time went on, they were like, okay, well, then we'll hire you to be like our official, unofficial, like headliner, which again, that just meant that I had the best 10 to 15 minutes out of the fucking open mic community at that time. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was just, I kept getting like, you know, the, the, I would do a set, they'd give me 50 bucks. And I'd be like, this is fucking great. Like the shows are always sold out. They would charge ridiculous amounts of money for these shows too like just stupid amounts. like 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 the clubs aren't even charging 25 dollars tickets and these guys were like yeah we're gonna charge 25 dollars tickets so that you can watch a bunch of open micers take their clothes off and i'm like this will yeah. never work and sure enough and it, it worked did. It, it does every time sells it every time i don't know how it's done um and uh yeah yeah so from there it's just been and then once they started the podcast like i even the first couple episodes of the podcast i wasn't even a member i was just the guy on the podcast that was Mm. helping facilitate the humor and move the conversation along and uh yeah sure enough like i i mean i don't even think it's been a year i think it was like maybe six months ago six or seven months ago when i finally was like all right like give me a task make me the guy who posts on facebook or something i'm in and uh it's been it's been fun ever since that's awesome. No, you guys, you guys put on amazing strip jokers, the show that, that yeah. was talking about next one is Thursday, this Thursday um, yeah. at the mansion in Kingston, which will be yeah. a super cool venue uh, to run. And the podcast, is it just like called the ruckus podcast? Uh, it's called that's ruckus baby, which is like, our that's tag. ruckus baby. Yeah. It's hilarious, dude. It's honestly Thanks. out of all those like um, podcasts I hear of like, I don't know, not open mic slash open mic comedians putting on a podcast. Um, it's it's the best one. Like it's yeah. the best best one I've heard. It's funny. It's engaging. Um, you guys are all have like a different perspective and a different voice, and you play a different character. Um, yeah. it's really good. It's really Thanks, really man. good. Yeah. Well, we gave ourselves three rules. It was like no inside baseball. So it's like we're not going to talk about like 
open mic comedy or like reference yeah, any cool. venues because we aren't trying to just be the Ottawa comedy podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we aren't offensive, but we try to be just offensive enough so that we don't have like wieners following us. We aren't trying to get canceled. It's like, we're trying to get people mm. that are actually here to laugh. And it's like, not like we're all woke dudes. We are three woke dudes that are, yeah. are left in, in most of our beliefs. Um, if not all of our beliefs and, uh, but we just don't want pe people associating with us that are going to have hurt feelings. So we, we get rid of that, uh, right off the bat. It's not the Andrew Tate appreciation podcast. No, it's it is not, not appreciation is... podcast either, but no, no, it is. It certainly is not. But if you, if you're the type of person to be like, I don't know, in Smith's Falls, a lot of people get offended by jokes about angle parking. I actually almost oh, got, dude. I had a show canceled because I made a joke about angle parking. And can Smith's you tell Falls. that story? Because I was following that on social media. That's very I funny. Mean, to it's, me. it's a really simple. It's so funny too. I was trying to bring Darren Frost through for whatever reason. It just didn't end up working out. But I was trying to bring Darren Frost through too. So it's like this woman would have had a hernia if the if the angle parking <laughs> joke is what got her. This woman would have would have died on the spot. It would have been his first kill, literal literal kill, like ever. And uh, yeah, yeah, I just made a joke. I said, you know, if you want uh, want tickets, get them while they're hot. And then I made a reference to the angle parking and she sent me a private message that was like, it's a very traumatic thing for locals <laughs> in Smith Falls to talk about the angle parking. And I was like, ma'am, with all due respect, don't ever go to a comedy show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> please. Like, oh, yeah. hilarious. Um, yeah. Why don't you think musical comedy is respected? You hear that stuff all the time. In, in the clubs with comedians on podcasts kind of everywhere that musical comedy um uh, it, it's kind of on a lower level i am crazy impressed by it yeah you know to be able to like write a song that is funny and engaging and unique is amazing to me but for some in some circles it doesn't get the respect i think in ottawa it gets a ton of respect there's lots of musical comedy yeah. shows that go on but in some circles it doesn't we both know yeah. that why not why don't you think it gets it well there's a lot of bad ones right like it's the same like mm. a, women in comedy don't get a lot of the respect that they deserve because there's less women in comedy uh than there than there are men in comedy and therefore the shitty female comics out like th it's a disproportionate amount compared to the good the, the kill much like in anything in in regular comedy the people that that crush there's much small the number of killer comedians is much smaller than the number of like shitty hacky comedians yeah. um and it's the same thing with musical comedy it's just like because there's it's such a niche comedy subgenre all of the ones that are hacky like oh, this is a song about vegans don't ever come to my barbecue like those ones outshine like the i don't know couple hundred that are actually decent at doing it and uh, it, it it sucks that that's like that. Um, but I'm, again, chips on my shoulder is how I put on a whole bunch of weight back in 2017 anyway. So I'll, yeah. I will happily continue to have that feed on me. <laughs> like, you, you know, it's, you know, it's also like drives me nuts about me, but when somebody is just like changing a few words in a popular song, like, oh, right. you know, where you're, it's a totally new song. You're not just like yeah. changing. You're writing a new piece of music. You know, you yeah, and people yeah. like Glennis are writing new people pieces of music, which I always think is like the most impressive thing. 
Yeah, yeah. My big thing is it's got to be catchy first. It, it's weird that I go that way, uh, but jokes can be edited because the, the formula, again, it's a formula thing. The formula stays the same. Mm. When you're writing a musical comedy song, your first verse is the setup. The first chorus is the punchline. And then it has to be joke, 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 to, in order to win back everybody who feels like you've wasted their time for the first 30 seconds of the song when you're setting up the, when you're giving them the premise and the verse, right? Um, and with that, you just go, you try it. And then any joke that doesn't land, you you get rid of it and you put in a new joke or a new, you know what I mean? Whereas like yeah. the actual structure of the song, it's got to be like, I need it to be flawless because I want you, I, even, I want to convert even people that hate musical comedy. If you, I, and I've done it, like I've had shows, like I've done the songs and I've gotten no response or I've done a song and I've gotten no response, but I guarantee that song gets stuck in your head because it's a catchy song. I work them like that. So that's, yeah. that's what's important to me as well. Again, it's probably me being an asshole and feeding myself off the chips on my shoulder. But like, if you don't like me, the song is going to be stuck in your head. I guarantee. So like I said, it's Canadian comedy hall of fame podcast. Uh, I always like to end with this question. I know you don't know who's in the hall of fame and who's out of the hall of fame. You don't know those semantics, but just from your perspective, being a Canadian Growing up in Napanee, I believe it was like Odessa, very close. Odessa, sorry, yeah. Uh, who do you think should be in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame? Oh, I mean, like Norm Macdonald for sure. Norm, yeah. Norm Macdonald for sure. Uh, Jim Carrey as well. I know that he's more of an actor now, but like I think Jim Carrey definitely deserves, uh, you know, for what whatever reason he seems to be a controversial figure, but I think Jim Carrey for sure deserves to be in there um again as a musical comic i think bowser and blue deserve to have their you know to be given their flowers um as uh canadian uh troubadours and uh and uh in, in comics uh jeremy hotz belongs in there mike mcdonald oh, belongs up there like yeah it's it's the list the list goes on will sasso will sasso underrated, oh, man, i love that very very underrated uh, comic actor and yeah Honestly, it's it's a I understand why he's gone on record to explain why he doesn't do stand up comedy. But my God, is that guy so funny off the cuff from his yeah. impressions to just like what makes him laugh. He's part of the reason why I have such a hard time getting people on board with my sense of humor is because I love guys like Will Sasso who have such a fucked up sense of humor. I that, you know what I asked you're probably the 60th interview I've done for this show, maybe more. Yeah. Will Sasso has never been mentioned, but that is that is a great that is a great call on Will Sasso. Jim Carrey, not in yet. Yeah. Uh, Norm MacDonald was inducted this year, and so was Mike McDonald on the same night, which was very cool. Two two comedians who cut their teeth in Ottawa. Yeah, I got to be there for their induction ceremony. It was, oh, it, was it was great. It was great. Thanks so much, Logan. Uh, I'm so excited to hear the album come out. I'm, I'm seriously pumped to throw it up on my Spotify or wherever you're going to sell it or, or put it up. Um, who'd you record it with, by the way? What was the, the record company? Was it? So I recorded actually Lewis Hill, another Ottawa comic recorded yep. it for me, but I'm hoping to release it, crossing my fingers and hoping to release it through Cottage Comedy. If they don't awesome. bite, then I'll just do it independently and just try to get it on serious as best I can. Awesome, man. Well, good luck with everything, man. You're, you're one of my best friends in comedy and I appreciate the heck out of you doing this. This is, uh, I can't wait to see what, what's next for you. I'm honestly super pumped to see it. So cheers, oh, thanks man. brother. Likewise. Appreciate that. There it is, Logan Brown. Uh, his new comedy album will be coming out very shortly. You can check him out. Uh, he he's always does the Ruckus shows. It's, it's Ruckus. If you just type in Ruckus Comedy in the Instagram, they do this Strip Joker show. 
It's a ton of fun. It's absolutely hilarious. I believe I am on the next one, which will be very scary for the audience. Thanks so much to Jackie. Thanks so much to Logan. Don't forget, Jackie is on the new wave of stand-up streaming right now on CBC Gem and Logan Brown's new comedy album. His first comedy album will be coming out very shortly, so look out for that. Don't forget, follow us on all the social medias for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan.